Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the nation. That's the Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with Camaro Dave and Commander Chris. Coming to you from our Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in beautiful Portland, Oregon. So I've got a big question for you. Can girls grill, smoke, barbecue? You bet they can. And today we've got Christy Vanover, who is the proprietor of not only Girls Can Grill websites and the handles on Twitter and all that, but she actually does all this stuff. And she's got quite an accomplishment uh, record, you might say. We'll be talking to Christy in just a minute. Brandy Clark is our music today. And also, as usual, we'd like to thank our friends at Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature intended. You can check them out at PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com. So let's welcome to the show uh, Christy Vanover from Girls Can Grill. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Um, it's early in the morning. We got to confess now. We recorded this show as we normally do, but a little earlier in the morning than I normally like to talk. So, <laughs> and I'm sure you do too. So, let me yep. <laughs> let's start out with some basics, Christy. How did you get fired up? Which is a cheesy question, but how did you get fired up in the grilling and barbecuing stuff? Um, you know, I. I think it's when I moved to Texas. That's when I, I mean, I tried to grill a little bit, you know, just growing up and through my adult life, early adult life, and then um, moved to Texas, got a grill. Um, and the weather was fantastic there. So I could be outside all the time um, year round. And I just really enjoyed being outdoors and, and then experimenting. Um, I also love to bake. So I just started experimenting with baking on the grill and, you know, traditional meats on the grill um, and a variety of things like that. And um, it just kind of became, it replaced my oven. I just, I just started out on a gas grill and <laughs> just really loved the versatility of it. Do you now have an assortment of grills at your place? And smokers and stuff, I have, yeah. I I think I'm up to 31 right now. Oh my word! <laughs> I don't collect shoes. I collect grills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I cut it off at 11. That's where I said, okay, no more. <laughs> you know? But when I told my wife not long ago, I said, well, we've got a couple new grills coming that uh, and smokers that people want me to try. She just kind of gave me that look that when you've been married for a while, you know what that look is. And it's like, yep. I better see at least three or four of these leaving before you do that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I've got my competition drums, you know, so that takes up three. And then I do work with a few different companies. And so, you know, I've got their grills out here and, and there's always does seem to be a new one coming that I do a product review on. And um, so much so that uh, about a year and a half ago, we built a grill garage in the backyard, just basically a big covered carport. So I could keep all the grills in there along with my barbecue trailer. I've seen the pictures of your trailer. It looks pretty cool. Thanks. Yeah, I had it custom built down in uh, Mesa, Arizona. They they basically do toy haulers, but then yeah. um, you can do anything you want inside. So, yeah, I changed things up to make it work for competitions. So, Christy, how long did it take you um, 
to really get some confidence in what you're the product you're turning out. I mean, it's always fun. And I always love to hear the stories about how people started and, you know, what inspired them and, and all of that. But it's also to me interesting. They say, well, you know, I went through like 35 briskets or something or, you know, <laughs> 700 racks of ribs before I got what I wanted. So what's your story on that? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still particularly, perfecting the craft. That's for certain. Um, I'm, you know, still always waiting to try to get those calls. Um, I think what really helped me, um, from on the competition side of things is that I, um, took a competition class, um, from Luton Booty Barbecue down here in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Um, and that taught me like what the judges were looking for and like placement in the box and tenderness and all that. Plus I took a class to become a certified barbecue judge. So I had a little bit of confidence of what the the technique was supposed to be like. Then it just came down to, you know, really trying to master it all. Um, but on my first competition, I got a call um, and that kind of boosted my confidence <laughs> right away. So my goal for every comp is at least get a call, at least hear your name called. And, and that just keeps me going. Now, are you kind of sticking to Nevada, California, Arizona for the most part when you're doing your competitions or are you jumping yeah. back in the Midwest and, you know, going head to head with the big boys? Um, so yeah, the, the area is exactly what you said. Plus Utah, I, I jump up into Utah. Um, I don't go to the Midwest, although I would say I go head to head against the big boys cause they come out here. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So I'm definitely going against them. Um, what I do go out to the Midwest for is for judging. So I judge the Jack and I judge the American Royal. Haven't haven't qualified to compete those yet. So for now, I'm just judging them. There you go. There you go. They actually asked me to judge the Jack a couple of years ago as a celebrity judge, but they gave me literally like three days notice. And oh wow, <laughs> and I I couldn't do it. I mean, I you know I couldn't just drop yeah. everything and leave. But um, maybe they'll ask me again. I don't know. But it was it's a, it's a fun time. Yeah, it's a fun time, and it was lovely to think that they you know wanted me to come but i just couldn't do it on such short notice like that so what yeah. you're married we are what does your husband think of all this um you know he he loves it now i think when i was starting out he wasn't quite sure what direction i was going you know is this something i could really make a career out of and and i do have a regular full-time job as well but um i i've just kind of been become successful at it just the whole brand of it you know itself it's the website and everything and then from the competition side of things um he's on my team along with my in-laws his parents and i do all the cooking but they help with the logistics of the unload and the load and my mother-in-law built my boxes with my parsley and everybody's kind of got their role so it's definitely become kind of a family activity which is one of the things that's so great about barbecues everyone's out there with their friends and family and um so yeah so he's we've already done two competitions this year one was two days after Christmas and um, we've got a competition this weekend and, and he's, he's loving the ride. <laughs> I think that's great. I really do. You can get your husband involved and, um, or your, you know, your in-laws, your outlaws, whoever they are. I think that's, that's <laughs> kind of a fun thing. And it gives you all something to talk about around the dinner table, you know, especially yep. at the holidays. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the one that was after Christmas, I had more family around. So my parents 
came down as well and my grandma and they got to see all the fun. But I kind of give when when visitors want to come, I kind of advise them to come around one thirty because if they, you know, they want to come at 10 o'clock and then actually see all the boxing. And that's when I kind of turn into a bitch sometimes <laughs> when it's getting pressure and they want to know, like, why'd you do this? And what'd you do that? And I'm just like, no. <laughs> yeah. Time. So no, I get come it. around one one thirty. <laughs> yeah, that's best. You know, you can sit back. Um, have a drink in your hand, whatever it is, and uh, enjoy it at that point for yeah. For, yeah. for a few minutes. Um, for we, we got a couple minutes before we got to go to break here. Christy, what's the biggest thing you think you've learned so far about barbecue and grilling and smoking in general? Um, I think that it would definitely be cooking to temp. Um, you know, when I started out, I was like, how long do you cook this brisket? How long do you do this? How long do you do that? What's the timing? How many hours? Um, and that's a question I get asked all the time myself now. Um, but really it's, it, every meat is going to be a little bit different. Every grill is going to be different depending on the weather outside. So really the, the main thing is cooking to the internal temperature that you're looking for and that will deliver good barbecue for you. I think that's the toughest thing sometimes for people to learn actually is, mm-hmm. you know, more about temp instead of kind of the way it looks or they're doing, you know, pressure tests or push, you know, they're pushing it with their thumb or whatever. Uh, you just can't beat that thermometer. It tells you right there. It's like bingo, bango, bongo, man. You're, you're on or you're not. So yeah, I, yep. I, I do think that's the toughest thing for people to learn. Took me a long time to want to do that because when I started, of course, you know, we had sundials and because um, <laughs> I'm old enough. And, uh, you know, so when you did that and the and the when the water bubbled, that meant it was hot because it was boiling, you know, that type of thing. And um, with the advent of, uh, you know, the first of all, we have analog, but then we have the digital thermometers. And now you've got all the digital technology that you can check this stuff. And you don't even have to get close to the grill anymore or the smoker. Right. You can just do that. Right. I think that's uh, much, much easier and more important. Yeah, to, absolutely. To do that. Well, and I have a neighbor who was asking me about how to cook ribs, and, and I kind of gave him the, you know, the three, two, one type of timeline. Um, three hours unwrapped, mm-hmm. two hours wrapped, one hour unwrapped again. And uh, and he had overcooked them. He's like, oh, they were, they were really, really, and I said, well, you probably didn't need that full last hour. And he's like, well, that's what she told me. I was like, well, that's kind of guideline, you know, but when, yeah. no, look at your meat, understand your meat. When the, when the bones really start to bend, you know, you can tell when it's done or probe it at 204 to 207 and you'll know it's done, but it, it's not always going to, the hours are not always going to be exact. Exactly. For uh, Christy and I take a little break here. I wanted to share a story with you about the cost of your tea. The coronavirus pandemic has moved, uh, or I should say, has forced more people to brew their own morning cups of tea at home instead of paying someone else to do it uh, at a cafe or a barista. Now the prices of wholesale tea leaves are on the rise, so consumers are paying more. But is this jump in prices the result of increasing demand or a failing supply. The Wall Street Journal reports that wholesale tea costs 50% more today than it did in March. Prices for tea that most consumers purchase are also going up. Packaged tea bags, for example, have gone up 1.7%. And liquid tea, that's the bottled concentrate stuff, is almost 10% more expensive than it was at this time last year. 
um, have exhausted consumers who are in search of distraction that comes from sipping on a warm beverage during a pandemic raise the demand for tea or have well-meaning experts who praise the antioxidants benefits of tea encourage more people to drink the beverage for their health during a global crisis? Well, in addition to the rising demand, there's a supply problem with tea. According to Reuters, the coronavirus pandemic started creating disruptions in the global tea market because of lockdowns in the spring uh, from harvesting uh, to shipping and multiple areas of this in the supply chain have been affected. We'll be right back after this on Barbecue Nation. everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Food guest. Welcome back to Barbecue Love Nation. Me. I'm JT, along with uh, Dave and Chris, and we've got Christy Vanover. Uh, with us today from Girls King Grill, and you're listening to us on the Barbecue Nation Sun BGI Radio Network. Let's get back to talking barbecue uh, <laughs> with Christy Vanover. When you started in the competition aspect of it, Chris, Christy, were you nervous? Was it tough? Was it tough to get your timing down? Um, you know, because when you go to a competition, you're cooking more than just one thing. Tell us about your, you know, your first experiences versus what you're like today. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I had done food sport before I'd done, I did the world food championships, um, for three years when it was in, held in Las Vegas. So I had done timed food cooking and, you know, turning into judges. Um, so I wasn't nervous from that standpoint. I knew that I could pull it off, but it definitely came down to those timelines. Um, and when you have those 30 minute windows, it, it, kind of nerve wracking the very first time when you, you know, you do a long cook at that time I was cooking slow and low. And so some, you know, some cooks would take eight hours or so, and you just don't really know how that brisket's going to be until you slice it right before you put it in the box. And, um, at that point, there's not really much you can do other than adjust the taste a little bit. Not, you know, you can't do much of the tenderness. Um, so yeah, I, I, the, the accomplishment for me was hitting the timelines and getting my boxes into, into the judges on time. And so, you know, I did that in the first comp, but it, it was nervous. Um, and there's days where I still get nervous when I'm at a competition, if a meat's not cooking, you know, exactly like I expected it to be, or a girl's not getting up to temp fast enough. And that throws my timeline, but I definitely have a little bit more confidence in the, my ability to make adjustments, to tweak things and to um, observe things as they're going to it. So I know when I need to make those adjustments. Uh, you said earlier that you used to do the low and slow stuff. Have you totally gotten away from that and doing it, you know, faster and hotter or that transition? How did that come about for you? Yeah, that was actually a pretty recent transition. Um, I am cooking on drums. I use Hunsakers at competitions. And I was still doing my brisket slow and low on them about six months ago. 
um, I was cooking at 225 to 250. And, you know, some of the guys would be laughing because I'm up lighting my pits at one in the morning and they're walking by me going to bed at one in the morning. And I'm like, wow. And they're like, yeah, we'll be back up at six. And I'm like, geez, Louise, yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm up for the morning. Um, and then I, I flew to Missouri and I went to the hot and fast class that um, Greg, I mean, excuse me, um, Brad and Tim teach mm-hmm. um, from Getting Basted and Shake and Bake. Um, and finally figured it out because I tried it on my own cooking at 300 and it just just wasn't really working very well for me um but I, I did it after their class and I actually just picked first place in brisket last weekend using that method so excellent I think I think I'm gonna stick to it <laughs> <laughs> well it's a big jump for people um yeah you know and a majority of this show I, I will tell you something I mean I've got a lot of the competition people that listen to this show and that's great and especially like when this show airs with you and then it's put out there, people will, you know, if they're searching at you out or something and they, you know, the links and all that. But <clears throat> we also have an enorm- enormous amount of what I call civilians um, that listen to the show, the backyard guys, the uh, weekend warriors, uh, you know, on the deck with their Weber type thing. And I get a lot of questions about switching from low and slow to, you know, kind of hot and fast type thing. And, you know, all I can ever tell them is if you're confident you can do it, do it, try it, you know. But um, low and slow was preached uh, as the gospel for so long that sometimes I think it's tough, and especially for the guys that are not uh, in competition. I think the weekend guys kind of look forward to that low and slow so they can get on the deck and get that extra five beers in them before they have to serve it, you know. Yeah. You know, I think it comes down to the quality of the meat as well. Um, I find that hot and fast Wagyu brisket is, is going to work better than like just a prime brisket that you pick up from Costco. I prefer I'm cooking with a prime. I still like to do those low and slow, um, hot and fast. They just don't give, they just don't yield those same results as, as like a Wagyu gold. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the trick is though, and I'm, I'm, I'm not being persnickety here, but a lot of people won't pay 150 bucks for a, or whatever the cost is these days for a Wagyu versus what they're, if yeah. they're just going to eat it at home, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And that's why hot and fast might not work for, for that backyard cook. Um, unless, you know, I mean, definitely give it a shot, give it a try. Sure. Um, but, but I personally think if I'm just cooking in the backyard and I'm not, you know, putting up $200 for a brisket, then yeah, I'm just probably going to still go at my 225 temp. Yeah. Um, let's switch gears just for a little bit. What was the first first grill or smoker you had? You remember? <laughs> yeah, I had some old offset. I don't even know the brand. Um, I bought it at Walmart for like $99. This was many, many, many years ago. And I didn't know what I was doing at all. And I threw a whole bunch of mesquite wood in there as my fuel source. And everything was just really bitter all the time. And I, I just thought, wow, I guess I just don't really know what I'm doing. And so I didn't cook on it very often, um, went to the gas grill most of the time. And then, um, actually at the world food championships in 2014, um, big green egg, uh, Dr. Barbecue, they were out doing some demos and they were looking for people to give the grills to that they, um, that they were using. And I happened to know one of the people involved and they were like, Hey, we're not shipping these back. You want a big green egg? And I was like, yeah, I want a big green egg. Sure. So, so drove down there with the truck, picked it up, brought it home cooked on it and that was kind of when the light bulb went on and I was like 
oh, now I know how to barbecue. And it, <laughs> that grill was just light years different than my $99 offset that was thin walls. And I also learned the difference of mesquite wood is not necessarily. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> uh, I will have to tell you something. I still have my, mine wasn't 99. Mine was 149 at um, Home Depot. Uh, offset and it was a new Brunsfeld and I, I people have heard me talk about it on the show before and I still have it I break it out about once a year just to make sure the old girl still works you know <laughs> and she does she does and she's probably in all seriousness with all the stuff I have the equipment she's probably one of the most reliable at times you know yeah she's holding on to that space out in the shop she's not going to give up her space to some new whippersnapper if you know what i mean <laughs> nice yeah uh, i'm i'm sure i could cook on my offset a lot better now than i did oh sure several three years ago oh sure yeah, yeah well it just didn't hold heat that great <laughs> no they don't they're pretty thin and a little tinny you know but once you get it uh one of the things they were really good at and we got to take a break here is they were really good at like uh smoking salmon fillets and stuff uh, oh, yeah. Because, you know, we obviously have a lot of that stuff where I'm from. And uh, we got, I actually developed a couple of recipes using that one, a cashew-crusted salmon filet. It was really good. Anyway, yeah. Christy Vanover Van uh, and I will be back on, um, what are we doing here? Oh, yeah, Barbecue Nation. After these messages, please stay with us. If you're enjoying GT and his show, come check out my podcast, Around the House with Eric G, where we talk home improvement and design right here where you catch this podcast. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. Hey, welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT along with uh, Christy Van Over today from Girls King Grill. How'd you come up with that name? Um, you know, it was something that was. Um, kind of the motivator for me. I was just, I, I ran another website a long time ago um, that was more um, just general foods. And I realized that I started grilling everything more. Um, and so I was kind of trying to come up with a brand that people might Google um, searching for stuff. And then it was that motivator for me to be like, yeah, I can do this. You know, I can, I can run this business. I can get there behind the grill. And um, yeah, so it was just kind of that motivator. And then, and then, you know, there's times but, you know, in my growing up in my early adult life where I would go to a party, I would be like, oh, let me grill that. Let me do that. And and I would kind of get that look like, no, honey, we got this. So you go over there, go do that. <laughs> and so it was it was that, too. It was just kind of be like, oh, I can do this. Well, yeah, there you go. Well, I think it's I think it's great. That's in fact, that's how I found you, because I followed you on Twitter. Um, little secret here. And it's no secret. I follow a lot of the barbecue folks on on Twitter because sometimes I get good guests on the show like you, um, like, you know, cause you can look, see what they're posting, see what they're talking about. Um, actually figure out if they know what the hell they're talking about sometimes. <laughs> and then you can invite them on the show, by the way, uh, real quick. want to thank the folks at painted Hills, natural beef for making this segment possible. Painted Hills, natural beef, beef, just like grandpa used to raise. And, uh, Email us at barbecue nation or BBQ at Salem PDX.com. There we go. We got that. Um, what's the toughest thing you've had to do so far in competition, Christy? Um, you know, I don't, I can't say that there's been anything tough other than I've 
when I first started out, I would also do people's choice. Um, and that was, that added a lot of stress to me and to my family. Cause in, in addition to trying to get those perfect boxes, you know, people's choice inevitably always starts at noon when you're also trying to get your chicken box turned in. And, um, so I don't, I don't do, I don't do people's choice anymore. It's because I'm the only person cooking. It just was, it was just a little bit too much. Um, I do ancillaries and those are fun, like the sausage category. Sure. Like that. But yeah, I would, I would say people's choice is too much for a, a one cook team. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Do you have plans to expand? Um, not right now. Um, this is really a hobby of mine. Like I said, I do have another career, so um, I don't have a lot of time to add too much more. And mm -hmm. I do, I do invite people to come cook with me if they want to, or to shadow me, or um, you know, shig a little bit if that's what they want to do. I don't care. Sure. Um, but but I'm not. Yeah, I'm not necessarily looking to grow, and I'm not looking to do a restaurant or anything like that. Maybe maybe once I retire from my regular job, but. Oh, don't do a restaurant. No, do a food. Do a food. I owned one one time. Yeah, very yeah. brief amount of time. Yeah, don't. Yeah, you seem like a very smart lady. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I realize that that running a restaurant, you're more of a people manager than a food creator. So right, right, and it's twenty four seven. <laughs> you know, I, I laugh at these commercials on television. One of the car commercials where this the the ladies waiting in the new nissan or whatever it is and the guy gets in and the, he kind of looks exasperated and he looks over and he sees you know restaurant space for lease and then the next thing you know they're out there buying you know hundred dollar a bottle olive oil and they're getting you know some kitchen equipment and all this stuff and then you know i mean it's only a 60 second ad and then you he comes in and the restaurant's open in white linens and and people dining on very small portions of food that looks like it was created out of an art class, you know, and it's like, <laughs> I look at that. And I go, it doesn't happen that way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it won't stay that way, you know, but <laughs> yeah, that's why most restaurants are 90% of them fail is because it doesn't work that way. Anyway, um, when you're out there competing, do you get a chance to, I know you get a chance to visit and intermingle with the other com competitors, but you, you kind of get to, I don't want to say spy on them, but you watch them, you pick up things from them, you know, little tips, little tricks that they use. Um, has that helped you a lot? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, that's one of the things that, that keeps me in the barbecue circuit is, are the, it's the people. It's 100% the people. And in competing in the Southwest, I see a lot of the same teams and, you know, we've become friends outside of barbecue competitions as well. And so whether it's at a competition or not, you know, if I'm, if I'm struggling with something, I'll shoot them a text message or a direct message and, you know, ask them some, for some advice and, and vice versa. People are reaching out to me now as well. And, and even at competitions, same thing. I'll be like, Oh, you did legs this week. You, you did well with those. You know, what'd you do on legs? Mm -hmm. How'd you do that versus size? And, um, everyone is usually pretty open with their, with their overall techniques. You know, they may be a little bit more secretive on their rubs and their sauces because just because you know, someone's technique doesn't mean that you're going to be able to perfect it. Um, so I think people are okay sharing some, some of those details with you. So yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's definitely, it's definitely a family that I've, you know, that I never anticipated oh, yeah. that I would be yeah. friends with a whole bunch of dudes that love to barbecue. And <laughs> that's where do my you, life has taken me. And I love it. Do you do your own rubs and stuff? I do. Yeah. I've been working on them. Um, and I'm, I'm excited because I've won first with my pork rub and my brisket rub. And so I'm still mastering my chicken rub to get that one nailed down. Are you going to market it? 
I am going to. Hopefully next spring. We'll see. <laughs> there you go. Good luck with that. That's that's Thank you. the really good ones do very well. Um from my observations. And uh so put me on your sample list when you All right. when you, you uh, when you get to kicking them out there. When you uh when you're at the competitions and you're going through all this and, and, you know, you kind of switch gears of, like we said, you've gone from low and slow into fast and hot type thing. Do you have a chance to sit and kind of while it's cooking and things are quiet, do you reflect on what Christy is actually doing? I mean, this is kind of a personal question and you don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but <laughs> you kind of, you know, sit back in the chair or in the motor home or wherever you're at and, and you're, you know, your husband and your in-laws and stuff, they're all asleep or they're out busy doing something. Do you ever just take a minute and reflect and what do, would you reflect about? Yeah, I wouldn't say that that's the moment that I do my reflection. I think I do it more on the drive home from my competition. When it's when it's that moment where all the meat's on and I've got a little pause time, that's, that is usually when I'm hanging out with family. You know, we're drinking the coffee and um, just enjoying, usually it's a cool, crisp morning, um, just enjoying our company. And I, so I don't really pause to reflect at that moment. But on the drive home, when I, you know, I got all the score sheets, um, driving home with my husband, that's kind of when I think about this. and. Um, you know, what, what do I want to do? What do I, so the competition is a competition. I either won or I didn't win. You know, I usually never get enough money to pay for my winnings, never usually pay for everything that enters. It's not a, it's not a sport to necessarily make money in. No. So I always think about what's the, what's the next step? What can I do? What can I take from this competition and share with my followers that will either help a backyard cook, help a new competitive team, help a seasoned competitive team. Um, so I'm always trying to share what I learn and what my experiences are. And I, I get a lot of feedback on my Instagram and my other social media handles for for being so open like if i got last place at a state competition before and and i'm not you know it, it was i know exactly what i did wrong and and i shared that because i don't want other people to make the same mistake and so if i can share something that people can learn from then um yeah it's kind of goes full circle for me so that's more my reflection time i think well that's good and i like that i like that you're the you know giving so to speak to people and giving not only your your knowledge and your technique, but you know, things you learn, we learn a lot and it doesn't have to be technical all the time. Mm -hmm. It, 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 yep. it can be, um, well, reflective, like we said, like that. Um, real quick question here before we go to break, how long did it take you to learn not to peek under the lid? <laughs> oh, I still look. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but no, I just don't look as frequently. So I know what I'm looking for and when I need to look for it. You know, I'm usually peeking because I want to know the color. Um, if my meat's getting to that color, now I'm at that point where I know, you know, 45 to an, 45 minutes to an hour in is an okay time to look. I don't have to look every five minutes or every 10 minutes, but yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I asked that question to virtually everybody who's on the show, um, who does competition barbecue and stuff. And, and they're, their answers vary, but I mm -hmm. think you've been the most honest one so far that said, oh, I still look, you know, <laughs> I, I, I thank you for that. Um, we've got about a minute here, Christy. What is your favorite hobby away from barbecue and food? Oh, gosh. Um, I would just say camping and RVing. Um, yeah, going out to national parks and 
sitting under the stars and usually there's still some kind of fire cooking involved. Um, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's being outdoors and kind of away from technology for a little while. Uh, yeah. That, uh, getting away from the, you know, the digital nightmare, um, yeah. can be, can be quite relaxing sometimes mm-hmm. under the stars. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we are going to take a break. We're going to come back and wrap up the show here with Christy Vanover from girls can grill. She's going to tell you how you can follow her. Uh, and check out our website and that. And then Christy is going to stick around for the after hour show, which is always fun because I'm not overruled by the FCC. So on what I say, here's a little nugget news for you. <clears throat> Seems a Florida man is suing McDonald's for a chicken McNugget injury. Uh, Alexi Stolfat has filed a lawsuit against McDonald's in Palm Beach because he broke a tooth on a bone that was inside a chicken McNugget. The 39-year-old is asking for a recall of McNuggets to avoid massive consumer injuries. Stolfat is also asking for $1.1 million, which he plans to use to cover his dental expenses and to donate to charity. What are your teeth made out of gold, dude? According to federal court filings, Stolfat and his wife ordered McDonald's delivery via Uber back on May 25th. When Stolfat was eating, he allegedly felt a hard object on the right side of his mouth and then subsequently felt unbearable jaw pain. He then allegedly pulled roughly a eight-tenths of an inch uh, long bone out of his mouth. He says, I'm not looking to be famous or anything like that. He says, I want to help other people to protect them and tell them to be very careful of McNuggets. Well, I guess you can be. Uh, We'll be back with more Barbecue Nation and Christy Vanover right after this. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. We've got Christy Vanover from Girls Can Grill with us here. And stick around also, if you're listening to this online, for the After Hours segment with with Christy here. So, Christy, what's the hottest or the newest thing? And I say that tongue-in-cheek, meaning the hottest, uh, on the barbecue circuit. You know, what's the coolest thing you've seen, like, in the last year? Wow. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that it necessarily I would say that it's cool, but it's what is definitely trending is drum smokers. And everybody seems to be moving into the drum smokers lately, um, whether it's a gateway or a huntsaker or an ugly drum that people make themselves, um, especially down here in the Southwest. It's, it's funny because when the, um, when the uh, people come to visit the, the crowds come to the competitions and they go up and they like, what is this? what is this that you're cooking on? This doesn't look like a barbecue. And I tend to want to come up and open it and look inside of it and not even realize that I'm cooking meat in there. Right. <laughs> so I've got to have kind of my bouncers watching over it. But that, I would say that's the biggest trend lately is um, seeing those drum smokers out there. Yeah. I've got a pit barrel barrel cooker and I like it. Um, good. Good. Yeah. It, yeah. It works. I mean, I could, like you said, you know, you could probably make some phone calls and have a half a dozen of those things sitting around from different companies. But 
mm-hmm. no mas space, you know. <laughs> right. Or more well, likely, unfortunately, don't take up a ton of space because they're, you know, they're circular and, and vertical. Right. It's not like a big no a big pellet grill or something. No, 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 no. They, you're right. They don't take up much room. But when you've already got one and then ten other, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, yeah. So, if you could work with one of your barbecue heroes, who would it be? Um, I would say Tuffy. I and I've had the chance. I was down at nationals, um, the national championships that, that was held in New Orleans this past year, um, and I had I had a really nice opportunity to talk with him and to meet with him a lot more because we were there for a couple days. Um, but I, I would love to cook alongside him and just kind of you know, just be right there to learn from him. Cause he's, I don't know. He's kind of that, that legend for me. Tuffy's pretty cool dude. He's been on the show several times and, and, uh, yeah. I've always enjoyed talking to him and, uh, yeah, he's just such a nice, genuine person too, which is, which is cool. Did you know he was a Marine? I did. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool stuff. Yep. Um, we'll have one more question here and then we will, let you give out all the information on how people can follow you and be aware of all your surroundings and what you're doing. So here's a fun question. I like to ask people, if I made you a Supreme ruler of barbecue for a week, one week (laughs) as the Supreme ruler, what would you Christy decree? Wow. That's a tough one. Um, are you talking barbecue competition side of things or just barbecue in general? You choose. You're the supreme ruler now, not me. <laughs> I would say that I would want to make an adjustment in ribs in barbecue competitions that fall off the bone ribs is actually what people really like to eat. But for some reason at competitions, we turn in the one that has to have the perfect bite where there's still a little tug to it that keeps the meat on the bone. But nine times out of 10, when someone comes over to your house, they really just want the meat to fall off the bone. So I would, I would adjust that in the barbecue world and change those minds. <laughs> okay, done. We've, we've, we've stamped it with your uh, scepter stamp there. So that <laughs> awesome. will change upon you. Okay, Christy, how can people follow you? What's your website? Tell us what you do there. I'm at girlscangrill.com. All my social media handles are Girls Can Grill. Um, I mostly post on Instagram and Facebook, so definitely check me out there. I'm even on TikTok now, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, at girlscangrill.com, you're going to find recipes. You're going to find tips about competition barbecue, tips about just general grilling, like how to grill a prime rib roast, or um, sometimes some. I do some butchery stuff too. Um, that's mainly on Instagram, some videos. Um, how to trim competition chicken thighs. Um, so yeah, all sorts of stuff about barbecue and grilling at girlscangrill.com. There you go. And and she is good about if you send her a message, she will get back to you. Unlike yeah. some other folks. I can I I'll vouch <laughs> for her on that. Christy will get back Thank to you. Thank you. Yeah, you you Thank really you. do. Okay, well, it's about time for us to wrap up this week here on Barbecue Nation. And like I said, uh coming up the next hour will be Matt Pittman and um Bill Wheeler. And I hope he's feeling better this week. We'll be with us next week. And we got a kind of a surprise announcement coming up in a couple of weeks from our buddy Meathead. So we'll be doing that. Um, Christy's going to stake over for the after hours. So you can listen to that. A little more news for you before we get out of here today. If you're going to New York City anytime soon, most people won't be. 
Uh, you can expect a COVID-19 surcharge for restaurant recovery. Independent restaurants in New York City will be allowed to charge a COVID-19 recovery surcharge up to 10% of a patron's on-premise tab under new legislation passed by the City Council. The add-on must be separate from other expenses and listed as a COVID-19 recovery surcharge. Guests must also be informed that the charge does not constitute part of the employee tips. Mayor de Blasio, our hero there, signed the surcharge into law before September 30th when the city's restaurants reopened their dining rooms at 25% capacity. The law will also be in effect for 90 days after the city dining rooms have fully reopened. Proceeds from the surcharges are intended to aid in covering sales losses and additional costs that the restaurants have endured throughout the pandemic's recurring uh, shutdowns and limited openings. The surcharge does not apply to chain restaurants. The restaurant industry has an experienced about 100,000 closures tied to um, the coronavirus there, according to the latest survey from the National Restaurant Association. The trade group has been sur surveying its members since the pandemic started. And in a report released Monday, the association asked operators about the six months impact of the pandemic on their restaurants. Uh, and when we ask about closures, the NRA called the latest findings, findings uh, startling as the organization pegs closures, both permanent and long-term, tied to the pandemic at about a hundred grand uh, in restaurants. That's one in six restaurants in the country. Some 40% of all operators said that it is unlikely that their restaurant will still be in business six months from now, and if there are no additional relief packages from the federal government. So the, uh, the trade group has sent a letter to Congress asking the Trump administration, um, well, they sent it to both Congress and the president's office, uh, asking the government leaders for more relief uh, as funds tied to previous federal support programs have dried up. They described the bleak outlook for restaurants. Okay, so um, probably safer to stay here, wherever you're listening to the to Barbecue Nation at today. We're going to get out of here. I want to thank uh, Christy Vanover for from Girls Can Grill that be with us today again uh for dave and chris and myself we'll be back next week with another edition of barbecue nation take care everybody barbecue nation is produced by jtsd llc productions in association with envision networks and salem media group all rights reserved